Hello, Gap Year Universe. I'm Margot Brookfield. And I'm Julia Rogers. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. So, Julia, this episode features an interview that you did with Amigos alum Luke Petrosky. Can you tell us a little bit about him? Sure, yeah. Luke was a great subject for our interview. We had a really nice conversation. So he joined Amigos, um, which is a really popular um, high school age program, and they also have gap year programming. But he did it as part of Tufts 1 Plus 4, which is an in-house gap year program offered by Tufts University. So what's really cool about this is that the Tufts program is such a good example of how more colleges and universities are not just okay with students taking gap time, but they're actively encouraging it and working to make it financially and logistically easier for students to take a year out. I think it's so great that we're talking about this, not only Amigos, but also the the Tufts 1 Plus 4 program because it's so unique. And like you said, just I think such an awesome opportunity for students to be encouraged to take that gap time. Um, So for Luke, where was he stationed? I know Amigos has a number of different locations. And what did he do during this semester? Sure. Amigos has been around for a long time, and it's best known as a service learning program that focuses on language, Spanish language, and community engagement. So Luke was based in Cuenca, Ecuador. He lived with a host family, and he uh, did a bulk of his program was actually focused on working at a nonprofit that aids migrants during their transitory periods. So he helped out at daycare for toddlers. He organized fundraisers. He facilitated workshops, and he also assisted with uh, community-based projects to build an auxiliary location for the foundation that he worked for. That is amazing. And I I think Amigos does such a great job with true immersive experiences for students. That's I'm really excited to hear more about his experience. And wildly enough, my my sisters are a good bit older than me. One of my sisters did Amigos, I think like 30 years ago in the Dominican Republic. So just so cool to see how long this program has been around. Definitely. So we'll hear a little bit about not only his experience, but also the organization as a whole and how he's thinking about his gap year now. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to hear more. Let's get started. Thanks for listening. Hey, Luke, thank you so much for being here on Gap Year Radio. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, totally. Um, so let's get started by why don't you tell us a little bit about why you chose to take a gap year? I think after high school, I was just super burnt out. Um, I think I would have been obsessed with like just finishing all my schoolwork, getting good grades, applying to colleges. Um, and I, I think I really needed to take a break. I also had some struggles with identity and kind of exploring my both my racial identity and my um, sexual identity in my hometown. It was pretty homogeneous, pretty small town of 18,000 um, people, and I really wanted to escape. So uh, mm-hmm. I think all of those just encouraged me to kind of try it out and, and just apply. And I was really lucky that um, through the university that I attend, they offered um, that option for me uh, to yeah. take a gap year, which was super awesome. It's a really neat program, and there's more. I think that people don't even know sometimes that colleges feel so positively about the gap year experience and the gap year option and who people can become after their gap time that they try to facilitate it and make it easier for people. So you did Tufts 1 plus 4. Do you want to tell us about what that bridge year program was and how you found out about it? Yeah, so 
I actually don't re- remember exactly when I found out. I know I had gone for accepted students day to Tufts, and they were doing a bridge year, gap year, one plus four um, program. So I, I went to that, and I just remember these two students in particular speaking about their time there, and it was just transformational. Um, and they were just saying all of these incredible experiences, and they were they were talking about how challenging it was, but how much they learned and how much they grew and how many insights they gained that they brought with them their first year. Um, so I was like, wow, this seems like something that I would really love um, to do. So then, anyway, I applied, and um, I was accepted, and then eventually we had this um, kind of before-you-leave orientation at Tufts campus with other cohort members, some of which also went to Ecuador, um, and some of which, some of whom went to um, other countries as well. But it was just really incredible to be shouted by people who had similar reasons for wanting to go, maybe different reasons as well. Um, diverse people from all these different, all different places, all different walks of life. Um, we just came together. We had some training before we left. Um, and then we flew out to Ecuador. Yeah. So amazing to be able to build that community before you go. Um, I was I so that. lucky to have that. I was so lucky yeah. to have that. So the other thing that's kind of unique about the Tufts program is that you get a bit of a menu, right? Like you had a couple different choices of things that you could do through their program. So how did you land on Ecuador and specifically uh, Cuenca as the place you wanted to spend your time? Yeah, totally. Um, so I think the, the options that were presented to us were um, Ecuador, Uruguay, Brazil, and also um, India. And so I, I knew that I really hoped to go to a place that was um, Spanish-speaking because I had been learning Spanish for some time. And um, while my mom speaks Spanish, sometimes her brother speaks Spanish. So I, I kind of wanted to be mm-hmm. able to um, learn more Spanish. Um, and in terms of why else, <laughs> so I guess it was kind of just like a spur-of-the-moment decision between um, Uruguay and Ecuador. Mm. Um, and I can't really say exactly why, but like looking back, I'm so happy I did. I'm so happy I did. Yeah. So you spent the whole year in Ecuador, like how, or did you spend pieces? Did you come home for the holidays? Like how long were you actually gone for? So we were supposed to be there for, um, nine months or basically from the end of August, um, to the end of May. Mm. Um, but because of COVID, we were sent home two and a half months earlier. So we were there for uh, six and a half uh, months total. But I didn't come home for holidays. I think the the expectation was that we would just stay there um, for the full nine months. Right, right. That's so cool. It's. I mean, I think that it's really powerful to be in a place with your cohort for that long. That's. I did a gap year in Tanzania, and I was there for 10 months. So and cool. Yeah, it was really, 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 really neat. So tell us a little bit about your adjustment to life in Ecuador. I mean, it's quite different, obviously, than Massachusetts. Yeah. So what were those yeah. first weeks like for you? Were you, did you feel um, like there's kind of, sometimes there are people imagine a roller coaster of kind of the initial... Um, Completely you know, feeling of elation and then you're homesick and then you're adjusting and it's just kind of all over the place. So what was your journey in, to the adjustment part of it like? <laughs> no, totally. I, I remember we had that we had some, some training on um, just like that, that roller coaster as you spoke of. And I remember thinking, wow, I, I wonder if I'll actually feel this or what that would be like. Mm-hmm. And then I remember actually getting there and 
completely feeling exactly what they said um, we're going to. And I, and I think they talk about kind of like the honeymoon period. And I definitely experienced that within the first weeks, the first couple of weeks, um, just like being in awe and being in wonder and so much excitement and so, so many new um, people and experiences. But there was also so many challenging moments. I remember um, I was really afraid of dogs. I had been, I was, I was like bitten as a child or something. So I don't know. I just had this like deep rooted fear of dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, my host, my host family actually had two dogs. Um, and the first night, I think it was the first night I was hanging up my laundry outside and I was coming back inside and I was bitten on the ankle um, by our host dog. Oh, I just no. remember like, oh my, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to, like, I, what am I going to do? Like, I was just like paranoid. Um, and it just be, also being in a new city, because I had never been um, in a city before since I was used to living in pretty uh, rural area. Um, and riding, navigating the bus system and also speaking a language I was still learning. Like, it was all these kind of just challenging um, things to begin with. But then I think just like sitting with that and challenging myself to um, be uncomfortable and asking questions and um, being unafraid to be wrong, like all of these things kind of just helped me to grow and and realize that, um, yes, it's going to be challenging at some parts, but can also be really incredible. So, and, and I think I was also blessed. Of course, I was blessed, blessed with incredible host family who really facilitated that transition. I was blessed with the support system from the program I was doing with Amigos de las Américas, and I was um, blessed with just support from people back home, back in the States, and um, also the cohort members I had there. So I think all those people really helped me, um, helped me as I transitioned. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to have those multiple points of support for when you're going through all those, you know, experiences and ups and downs and everything, both like the good and the bad. Um, or the good and the challenging. So what about your, tell me more about your host family. What was their, um, you know, how many people were there? How were, did they have kids? What were their ages? What was their, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so I had um, a host mother named Abuelita. Well, I called her Abuelita. Yeah. um, (laughs) Abuelita Carmen. And um, she had one son that also lived in the house. And the first night was so interesting because it was just us. It was actually just her and I the first night. And I, for me, it was such a change because I have two brothers, so I was used to kind of more hectic and just a lot going on. Um, and so the first night was so low-key and just we were just eating together and talking. Um, and then, come to find out a couple of days later, two of her um, grandchildren arrived in Juli and Emilio, and um, we we spent a lot of time playing outside, and they taught me parkour, and they taught me how to like, spit out um, the shells of I can't, sesame seeds. Oh, no, no. I don't remember what they're called. Sesame, yes, something. I don't, I don't know. Um, but it was just really special, you know, just to meet um, mm-hmm. other young youth. I think they were, they're, these, Julian and Emilio are eight and ten. Um, and then there was also two other grandchildren named Paula and Dana who also, um, they, they actually lived at the house, so they were also there um, for a lot of time. So I also met them within a short period of time and um, so it was really us, I think there's seven of us, I, I guess you could say, um, mm. mostly, but I, I guess it was kind of like a revolving door, like a lot of people would mm-hmm. come visit. Um, and so it, it just really depended, but it was incredible. And I, they were so gracious and so kind. I still talk with them um, frequently. 
and they really just welcomed me, I guess, into their home um, and made me feel like I could do it and I and I could um, have a good time there. Mm. It's so special. People sometimes get intimidated by the idea of a homestay, but I think that it can actually be one of the highlights of the entire experience for a lot of people. Sounds like you've yes, got to I agree with too. that. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. That's cool. What about Cuenca as a as a as a city, as a place? Can you describe what that's like? Yeah, that was special for me too. I mentioned before that I had never lived in the city before. So for me, um it was definitely overwhelming in the beginning, especially uh navigating the buses it was i was so confused and i several times i got on the wrong one or i was so tired that i would like fall asleep and then wake up um and be several stops from from the house <laughs> um but cuenca was was incredible um i i we spent uh, my cohort members and i spent a lot of time just exploring um there's a beautiful main stretch that has a lot of market places and uh, restaurants and there's a incredible park in the center of the uh, city, and also just like other lesser visited places as well. Um, I think also just working at an internship there and um, having to navigate different different sections of the city for that allowed me to get to know Cuenca um, a bit more. And I know it's such a historic place and um, I think it was it was very special, very special to be there. Yeah, mm, that sounds wonderful. I haven't been to Ecuador yet, but that's where my husband studied abroad. He was in Quito. Oh, um, so, cool. so cool! Yeah, I know. I can't wait to get get down there at some point. So it's on my list. <laughs> so you know, the model of how Amigos goes about their programming is that there's and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's a period of more intensive language training, and then you transition to an internship placement. Is that how it was for you? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So how long did you do your intensive language training? Uh, we had one month of mm-hmm. Spanish classes. And so you kind of took a placement test and then you were put in a class with people around your level. Uh, but then, but it, it was cool because it also involved kind of other activities such as cooking and touring museums and making food yourself. So all of these things just allowed you to, um, allowed us to kind of be immersed in, in, language and in culture um Mm. while we were there for the first month yeah yeah that sounds like a lot of fun and then so then everybody kind of gets a different placement i believe based on your interests and they kind of work with you on that is that how it works yeah totally uh i think we filled out a survey before and then Mm. we would rank um what our interests were what we wanted to get out of the experience then we were placed at a partner organization yeah. And you had what sounds like a really powerful placement. What? Where did you work and what were some of your tasks? Yeah, I was working at a, uh, organization, an organization called Fundación Creatu Espacio, which it, I, in English is like create your space. Or it's, I mean, obviously that's direct translation. But mm-hmm. um, really it was to aid um, Venezuelan and Colombian migrants or even internal migrants um, in Ecuador during their transitory periods of their lives. And so, I mean, it was so interesting because I think I arrived at the foundation with all these preconceived notions of what my job there would be. Um, but then, of course, obviously, it's so free flowing, and there's there's always so much going on. And I quickly found that 
perhaps what I envisioned my jobs to be was not what they required. So um, two days of the week, I worked at Centros Infantiles, which is essentially daycare, daycare centers for youth, I think, pretty much one to four-year-olds. And so I would just help feeding them and um, with nap time, putting them to bed and mm. um, changing diapers, which was such an adventure. <laughs> um, and just like really just spending time and, and aiding the the teachers who are really super heroes and who are so loving and so patient and so incredible. And it was kind of the ratio of teacher to student was sometimes like one to eight or even like one to 14. So I, it was just great to be able to um, be there. And, uh, and also, I, I don't want to make it seem like I provided such incredible help because I was also <laughs> learning um, so much as well. But just to even just to even be there to watch the kids or help feed them um, mm. was exciting as well. And then also um, another really fulfilling job was working with um, University of Cuenca students, which is university um, within Cuenca. Um, and these, these were students that were learning English. So on every Saturday, we would teach English classes to migrants and really anyone who wanted to participate, which was exciting, which is exciting and difficult, obviously, because I don't have any degree uh, in education or um, really any experience in that whatsoever. But it was exciting because also um, I was paired with a Peace Corps volunteer who was also working mm. at Fundación Creative Espacio. So with her, we kind of worked with with the students. They instructed us how to teach and how to best be of service. Um, I just really want to express gratitude because I think that was something that we focus on as a cohort a lot, just making sure to to acknowledge what a privilege is to have the experience to study abroad, um, to have the experience to be let into someone else's culture, someone else's home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I still feel such incredible gratitude to have that experience that was really funded by um, Tisch College, by Tufts University, and to, to have made such beautiful relationships, uh, to have been challenged, and to, to be able to take all of that back um, with me is pretty spectacular. So I, I don't know. I don't know if this was the appropriate time to say it, but I just feel so grateful. Um, I guess it's you could say it's always an appropriate time to say it. No, this <laughs> is this is your time to share those things, and I think that that is really important because I think I think that is um, a really important sentiment to share. So I really appreciate that, and I also wanted to ask you to tease out a little bit more of that um, what you mentioned at the top of the interview talking about how you were able to explore your identity a little bit more. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how your gap year gave you the space to do that and what kind of your, what you learned about yourself through your gap year? Of course, of course. Yeah, so um, I'm mixed. So I'm half Asian and half white. And I grew up in a town that was pretty much majority white. And I think mm-hmm. having my two brothers um, with me in school was really nice, obviously because they share the same identity as me. Um, but it was also very isolating to be there. And, and I think, and also sexually, I felt like I was, um, in terms of my sexual orientation, I was still closeted and I wasn't really coming to terms with like my bisexual, my bisexual orientation and mm-hmm. um, what it meant to be both mixed and bi. And I think, um, I don't know. And I, I'm not going to even pretend that I had that all figured out by the end of the gap year, because I think it's still something obviously that I'm exploring and that I'm learning about, but um, I think having time to reflect 
that was another thing I did a lot of during the gap year, kind of journaling and meditating and um, mm. kind of thinking about what my life is and what it could be. Um, and so I think it just provided that needed pause and that needed rest um, and allowed me to see that the whole world was not like my hometown. Mm. Um, and, and also just meeting people too that were meeting people that were queer and meeting people that were um mixed and meeting people that were all sorts of um walks of life and all sorts of walks of life um w just allowed me to broaden my perspective and, and become more comfortable um with who i am and i think that's an ongoing journey but i would say that my gap year really helped me begin that process um and be less afraid of being genuine to myself yeah. I think that part of the wisdom you gain on a gap year is kind of understanding the long game of self-exploration. You know, it's not mm -hmm. it's not a destination you arrive at. You're constantly learning about yourself. You're constantly evolving as a human. Um, and so I think that that recognition often happens on a gap year, that that kind of epiphany. Oh, you know, this is <laughs> this is an ongoing thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is the long game. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, that's really powerful stuff. Um you know, one thing that I, I like to ask people, too, is, you know, it is hard to encapsulate such a full experience into your, you know, into like distill it down into one interview, but or even one anecdote, which is about what I'm going to ask you to do. But what is, are some of your, you know, most your strongest memories from that experience? Is there a day or even an interaction that really, you know, that you keep coming back to when you think about your gap time that kind of, you know, shows it what it was like kind of um you know expresses what it was like for you oh i love this question hmm. i'm gonna think for a minute i think one super powerful memory will just always be when my family from the united states met my host family from um ecuador i was really blessed that my family came to visit um and we actually celebrated New Year's together, and it was so many things, and um, not not like all especially positive too, because I think there was obviously this kind of um, this wealth divide between our two families, and just like you know, and it, so I, I don't want to like sugarcoat it and say it was like just all incredible, but I think um, those difficult moments were also really important and really um, valid valid things to kind of ponder and reflect upon. But um, anyway, aside from that, it was just awesome to kind of meld these two worlds. And I think I had grown and I had changed. And it was interesting to to see what it was like to to see my family who I had been someone and still the same person that I am now, but just different and what that was like for these two parties to meet. And so it was wonderful. It was wonderful in many ways. And we did many um, celebratory practices that usually um, my host family did around um, the new year and kind of my family shared some about our culture or the Filipino culture, you know, and um, we cooked together in the kitchen and we all sat together to have a meal. Um, and so it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And um, it was challenging also at the same time, but it was, it was wonderful. 
Yeah. I, I think that it is important to recognize that that bringing together those two like important sets of people in that moment is there are going to be, you know, obviously challenges. And so when, you know, a big part of this podcast, like we talked about before, is is helping others understand the promise of this period of time and, and how it's not one size fits all. And it really can be. Hold on just a second. I'm going to let this. It, it, you would you would think that I live in New York City with the amount of traffic noise that's been going on outside my office today, but I'm going to restart this question after this emergency vehicle drives through town. Okay, it's gone. Um, so another thing that I love asking on the podcast and, and getting students to talk about is really how to help future students seriously consider gap time. It's still something that is perceived as as an odd choice or, or, you know, a side choice, you know, versus the the more mainstream idea of just going straight to college. (laughs) But everybody who I've talked to or who I've worked with um, seems to be really, really strongly positive about their gap year. Not that it was all like, you know, sugar and rainbows and butterflies the whole time, but that the experience and the challenges and what you overcame, what you learned about yourself are fully worth it. So how do you think about that? and, And how do you communicate about your gap year to people who ask you about it or underclassmen who you may have been talking to about it or, or younger siblings or anybody like that. Oh, I love this. Um, I think I, I usually just start off by saying it was probably one of the most challenging, but also one of the most transformative um, times in my life. And then I think I try to share some anecdotes or something that they can kind of hold onto um, that will give them some idea of what it could be like. I think, as I said before, it's so hard to put into words what a gap year, bridge year experience is. And um, But I always say I, that would be incredible if you chose to um, pursue a gap year. Because I, I really do think that um, taking a break, taking a break from academics, Um, and just having time to kind of reflect and just be and just live uh, is an extraordinary privilege that if you have the opportunity um, to take, you you really should. So I think I'm always a huge supporter. Every time I see a potential um, one plus four person or anyone who's taking a gap year, I just kind of, automatically feel yeah. this little affinity. I don't know. I think that's cheesy. But because um, especially even talking with students at Tufts um, and talking to other cohort members who went to other countries has been wonderful because I think we all grew in unique ways. But there's this kind of shared sense of awe and wonder um, at having that opportunity and uh, of having been um, really privileged to have to have that experience. Yeah, that so. is, I think that there is kind of that gap year tribe that happens. You know, it's everybody, you can have completely yeah. different experiences and yet there's something bonded about people who've, who've all taken a gap year at, the, at that particular moment in time. So that's that's really neat. Very so, great. you know, you were also a COVID disrupted gapper. Um, you were sent home from Ecuador. <laughs> that I, I mean, I remember that moment I had, you know, 
40 plus students all scattered throughout the world when we got that, you know, when that week happened in March where people are like, everybody's got to come home. And it was so crazy. So when we were all in kind of lockdown and you were that we were in lockdown while you were kind of finishing up your gap year, did you have like personal projects that you were working on? Were you just Netflixing and hanging on for the ride? You know, what, what was, what were you working on or what, how'd you spend your time during that crazy moment? Coming back and just really just being kind of homebound, I think was so different and, and very difficult um, for me personally. And, and then also just like doing these other, like, of course, like, yes, people who work at Starbucks and um, Domino's, like, I love and appreciate them. And like, I still work at Starbucks, so like, yeah, it's amazing. Um, mm. But it just, it just felt so different um, to me. Um, than the gap year, but but no less also um, cool and special in its own <laughs> in its own way. So I, I would say I don't know exactly know what I did at first, but then um, I tried to just um, stay busy and, and also just also kept practicing Spanish. I mean, I, we still had these charlitas or charlas with um, the U Cuenca students mm-hmm. from Ecuador and some of my cohort members. So just kind of maintaining that community um, too, and talking with my host family and. Um, reconnecting with my my brothers and my parents, um, I think that all transpired within within that time period. Yeah, and are you still? How did your gap year, you know, influence how you're how you're engaging with your college experience? Yeah, totally. So um, I think it made me really passionate about civic engagement, and I I know um, this past year with the election, I was just like phone banking and encouraging people from um, underserved communities to register and um, have their questions answered. And, and also just locally, too, within Somerville, Medford, I applied for a program um, in which I get paired with a partner organization. And um, it's kind of like a three-year civic engagement-based, um, reflection-based as well experience, kind of like the, the bridge year, um, but more locally in, in Somerville, Medford. So I think just it's been about translating those those moments and those learned lessons into practice. And of course it doesn't look the same, but I think um, just making sure to check in with myself and knowing what I'm passionate about uh, has served me well um, back at college. Yeah. Hmm, That's wonderful. So last question, what would be, you know, your number one tip for someone who's chosen to take a gap year is engaging in like the planning process like, what kinds of advice would you offer someone who's about to embark on gap time? Ooh, okay. I would really say reflect or just, you know, I think so often the gap year is so many things and so many new things and so many exciting things and it's incredible. But I think I know for myself I gained the most out of it by just taking time to sit and realize just how special it was. And, and I think, as I said before, just tapping into gratitude. Um, I, I know I started the practice of meditation while I was abroad and it's something I still do today, just like 10 minutes um, every single day. But I, I think it just helps me ground myself and stay present um, and continue to be grateful. So I think just like building in time for reflection in whatever way um, that is for the person is really important. Oh, Luke, such good advice. Love it. Um, 
thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, um, thank you so much for so having great. me. And thank you for all the work um, you're doing to promote gap years. I think that's really, really awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm gonna give. A, I'm gonna wrap up the show by telling people where they can find all the things we talked about. So, um, thanks to everybody out there for listening. And you can find Amigos on Instagram at Amigos underscore Americas or online at AmigosInternational.org. You can find us here at Gap Your Radio on Instagram and Facebook at Gap Your Radio or online at GapYourRadioPodcast.com. You're welcome to email us your questions or love, loving comments or critical feedback or anything else <laughs> at gapyourradio at gmail.com. And lastly, you can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you have a moment, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so more people can discover Gap Your Radio. Now, Luke, you've got one more task. We always ask people to sign off in a foreign language. And, you know, we definitely have had Spanish before, but we haven't had any regional dialects from Ecuador or... Cuenca specific, you know, goodbyes or thank yous or anything. Is there any, can you dredge up any uh, cute phrases from your time in Ecuador to, to take us out on? Ooh, um, well, one word that's really common that was used a lot in Cuenca is chévere, which means cool. So I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that's definitely <laughs> yeah, a, that's good, perfect. a good word. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So say it again. Chévere. Chévere. That's cool. And then, of course, we can say adios. Do they say adios in, in Ecuador? Is that the common? It's usually chao. Chao. Yeah. yeah. All right. So then we'll say chao, too. <laughs> Thanks so much, Luke. <laughs> Thank you so much.